U.S. inflation rate in March set another record high. Elon Musk made a major filing, indicating that he might forcefully take over Twitter. A retired U.S. Air Force officer shared his view on the safety of Taiwan and the role of the People's Republic of China and the U.S. in the Russia-Ukrainian war. Welcome to Wei and Kathy Show. I'm your host Wei Fang. I'm Kathy Zhang. Okay, so today Kathy will bring you a special interview of a uh, U.S. Uh, retired U.S. Air Force uh, veteran, right? Right, and also he is now actually in Taiwan. He's a Taiwan fellow in Taipei, so a truly an expert. Okay, and also almost like a you know expert from the front line, if you consider that the war could happen over the Taiwan Strait. Okay, let's look at the inflation number now. For the 12 months that ended in March, consumer prices rocketed 8.5%. That was the fastest year-over-year -year jump since 1981, far surpassing February's mark of 7.9%, which by itself is a 40-year high. So if we toss out food and energy prices, which are notoriously volatile and have driven much of the price spike, then we are looking at the so-called core inflation. It jumped 6.5% in the past 12 months, which is also the sharpest jump in four decades. So let, let's look at a, a few commodities, okay. Um, gas price is up for uh, by an average of 48% over 12 months. Airline tickets up for 24%. Men's suit, like this one, 15%. Not that bad, but it's 15% is pretty scary. And the bacon, that is 18%. And so, the, yeah. mm -hmm. so the price hike started in last February, and uh, the first month that uh, President Biden started his job. The price at that month just 1.7% above, uh, above its level a year earlier. From there, it went up every single month until today. Well, Federal Reserve has been always calling the higher consumer prices as merely transitory. Yeah, transitory. And due to, basically, they said, shipping delays and temporary shortage of supplies and workers as the economy rebounded from the pandemic. Now we all know that they are wrong. Most economics, uh, economists expect inflation to stay high around through the end of the next year. So that's the inflation. Now let's look at, uh, you know, Today's uh, on the you know our program photo we said uh, the Twitter on the toaster. Let's explain what's happening there. So Twitter filed something called Schedule 13D. I'm I'm sorry, I take it back. <laughs> My mistake. Elon Musk. Elon Musk filed something called Schedule 13D yesterday, giving a, a status to himself called uh, active investor. What does that mean? Actually, early on, he filed another schedule. It's, it's called Schedule 13G after he bought 74 million Twitter shares. And the 13G, basically, on that form, it indicates he's a passive investor. Mm -hmm. Okay, buy some you know, stock, you know, have some weight. And uh, so what does the uh, active investor mean? It means that uh, he could carry out a hostile takeover of Twitter. As, as we share with you um, last uh, on, on Monday, I don't think we shared that. Okay, we'll share a little bit. So now he's not, no longer the board director. He's free from the restriction of uh, not owning more than 
fifteen percent of the Twitter's share. So in theory, he can go out and buy all the remaining ninety-one percent from the current shareholders. And uh, so basically, by indicating by giving a status of active investor, he ind indicate that he could really forcefully take over. Yeah. So exactly how to do that? Just buy enough stocks. So what can Twitter do? First. They could ask everyone else to bind together and uh, believe in the company's current strategy, or second, put in a so-called poison pill, which gives current shareholders the right to buy more Twitter shares at a deep discount, thus uh, diluting the shares that Elon Musk holds in hand, costing him more. So could that uh, deter Elon Musk? Actually, just just remember, okay, this guy has a one more than one third of the totals, uh, you know, Twitter's total number of users. Mm -hmm. Okay, and uh, they only have like a 200, 210 million um, registered users. Okay, and Elon Musk himself has eighty million followers, so that's more than one third, right? And he also have a nine point two percent of his share, and two hundred fifty, two hundred sixty five actually billion dollars. Um, as his um, net worth, which is uh, six times of the Twitter's market cap today, and also he can also carry the identity of the wealthiest, uh, you know, wealthiest person in the world and the best uh, tech talent of the world. So he carry a lot of weight, not just by forcefully buy out the company, but also he could influence current influent, uh, current shareholder to go his way. So if you know, we ask that uh, could the current uh, board of directors really deter him? If I ask my opinion, I honestly see no way of stopping him if he's determined to buy out Twitter. Yeah, they are trying to make some noise now, right? They kind of wanted to, you know, blame him not kind of hiding what he is bought. Yeah, so interesting enough, uh, after he, after the he tweeted that he will no longer join the board of director, Elon Musk has not tweeted a bit as of now. Okay, what does that mean? Okay, mm -hmm. in a one in the high year, uh, high month. How many Twitter? How many tweets he sent out? Do you know? Four hundred fifty, four hundred fifty tweets in one month, fifteen tweets a day, spanning over the you know from zero hour to twenty four hour. This guy just work and acts just like Trump. <laughs> he just keep tweeting, and he wonder what he's doing. You know, besides the tweeting, he he built you know SpaceX. He built you know the 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 the, the electronic car, and he he has this boring company. He's doing all the other you know impossible thing while he's sending out fifteen tweets a day. As of now, he's not sending any send out anything. Some somebody must be nervous. Yeah, you know that that the silence is very very you know scary. Right? Yeah, very scary, and it's it's a, it's, a, it's a special form of tweets. So um, the CEO and the current board directors must be very nervous. I gave a very bold, you know, assessment or opinion. I said, uh, I honest, honestly see no way of uh, the current Twitter board stopping him if Elon Musk is determined. What do you think? I really want to know that. What do you think? Do you think because this guy would he move forward? Because he could. He already made like uh, thirty percent of the profit. He can just walk away. If he just sell all the stock and walk away, how much he, he make? Mm -hmm. He makes seven hundred million dollars. Okay, in a matter of just a few months, mm -hmm. uh, would he walk away or would he stay and fight? By fight, um, you know, would he just buy enough shares or influence the current shareholders to go his way, ousted the current board, and then just putting his board? How, what do you think? 
So actually, well, I have a Twitter follower who, who just texted this to me, and I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I just conveyed it here. So he decided not to be the director of the board. He wanted to be the chairman of the board. That's why he walked away last Sunday. Mm. Okay, two days ago, right? Three days ago. So what do you think? And also, another question I want to ask you and I want to get your input is, if he were to get tweet, uh, Twitter, what do he do? Would he just reinstate uh, the account of the, the, the Twitter account of uh, President Trump? What do you think? Uh, okay, that's a question for you. I will give my opinion, okay, because I, I follow this guy for a while. And uh, so based, uh, based upon my observation, and I would like to give my opinion or predictions, but I want to see yours first. How about that? Okay, so um, next we're going to move to the, our main, main story today, right? So, Kathy, can, can we just take a look to see whether we got any response there? Okay. And uh, so that, you know, we'll just make the, this is a really indeed a hot topic, right? Expensive. Oops. And uh, we do want to know that, uh, how you think about that. And, uh, okay, so people are still holding. In the meantime, please remember to uh, press like and uh, making sure you're subs you stay subscribed and also... You know, and also have the little bell, turn that on. And uh, we, we need you to, you know, propel this channel to reach more people. And, uh, okay, so I think, I'm, we're, just still, we're still waiting for you guys to, to feedback. And uh, Luis, you said, Twitter is dead. Uh, the only hope is Musk and uh, DWAC, okay? Trump's company, I think. Uh, and imagine the takeover where all of us banned uh, and censored can go back to Twitter after the takeover. Yeah, what do you think? Okay. Um, and a part of the ground, you have a thumb up there. You got a candle. I think that's a candle of hope, right? And, and Larry said, I just started a new Twitter account. I think I re remember from the last show, another viewer said, I started to use Twitter again because Elon Musk. Yeah. So. Okay. So we're still waiting for your input. But before we move on, let me just give you give you my assessment. We can wait. Okay. If if Elon Musk were to take over Twitter, I think he will reinstate President Trump's account. That, that's just my my judgment. We'll see okay. <laughs> whether Is I'm that right a bat, or wrong. Uh, bat? <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. So that's that. Anyway, let's move on to okay. So so Ukraine war has been going on at at this time. It is a very well, basically, the experts said, the military experts said, there will be a very big uh, battle, okay, which is which is being you know being brewed in the uh, Donbas area in the in the eastern eastern side of the uh, Ukraine, and uh, this would be the largest battle, okay, since World War Two. Mm. It is said. So both sides are just really just mobilizing their forces, coming to the battleground, and uh, Putin is determined to win because he cannot win, you know, lose anymore. You know, just um, you know, granted, Ukraine cannot lose either. So both sides are prepared for a big battle, and uh, everybody's holding their breath. And uh, you know, you like it or not, it seems to be happening. And um, so in the meantime, you know, um, seven like seven thousand miles away in the Taiwan. You know, that, that country is sort of like Ukraine and same, face a similar threat. Who could PRC cross the Taiwan Strait and, the, and the start, start an invasion? So, Kathy, what do you got for our viewers here? Yeah, so very naturally, a lot of people, you know, think of Taiwan when they watch the Ukraine uh, being invaded. So, um, you know, some people compare the uh, 
Taiwan and the Ukraine, right? So is, what's the similarity and the difference between these two countries? And uh, what are the, especially about the role of uh, CCP in this war that people may not be aware of? So I interviewed an expert who is a retired U.S. Air Force uh, office, officer and now a Taiwan fellow in Taipei. And his name is Guillermont Lelari. Uh, so Guillermont Lelari is a retired U.S. Air Force foreign area officer specialized in the Middle East and uh, Europe, Europe, as well as counterterrorism, irregular warfare and missile defense. He has studied, worked, and served in the Middle East and North Africa for over 14 years, and similarly in Europe for six years. He was a U.S. Air Force attache in the Middle East, served in Iraq, and holds advanced degrees in international relations and strategic intelligence. Guillermont researches uh, uh, authoritarian and totalitarian regimes that uh, threaten democracies right now. He is in Taipei. So I asked, because from his experience, it seems that uh, he spent a lot of time in Middle East, right? So I asked him why he is uh, seems to so familiar with uh, China. So he told me that actually his father used to work in Shanghai before World War II. He was an uh, architect in, Shang, in, in China and actually designed a building in Shanghai. So when he was young, you know, Guillermo always hear from his father talking about China. So when he was in the military, he, he studied a lot uh, actually about the, you know, U.S., uh, how U.S. helped the, the uh, Kuomintang in, during the World War II. So now, you know, he had the opportunity researching in Taiwan about, especially about PRC, the CCP's, um, what they are doing towards Taiwan in all front. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so actually the first question we started with is um, in regards to the, um, you know, how in the United States people have different views on this war. Because, uh, for example, the Biden administration, you know, has been blaming the rising oil gas price and the inflation on the Russian invading invasion of uh, Ukraine war. So it's like, for example, Biden blamed again uh, on the rising uh, price on Putin in Iowa, in his Iowa speech. So let's hear what's uh, Guillermo's uh, answer. I think people in the United States are. Um you know, feel sympathy for the Ukrainians. But I think the big issue in the United States is the economy. The price of gas, the price of food, the price of just living uh, is is more concerning to them than uh, Ukraine. And I think um, people have a legitimate complaint that, and you talk about suspicion, I, I mean, I think that, that uh, blaming the the costs of, of food and, and oil and gas on this conflict is is a mistake because it's not true. Um, the, the prices were already going up way before this conflict. Um, and so uh, Ukraine has become a political tool 
to uh, excuse the current uh, high prices. So I think that the American people uh, should uh, get answers and, and results on trying to fix the economy. Uh, unfortunately, the, the current administration, the Biden administration, has stopped all planned oil production, increased oil production in the United States, to detriment uh, and which causes the lack of supplies. So I think, you know, if you ask a Ukrainian what's more important, uh, is the war or uh, climate change, uh, I think that they would say that, uh, you know, surviving uh, the war is more important than climate change. And so I think, you know, there has to be a prioritization of, of issues and climate change cannot be the, the number one priority of any country. The security of the people and the country is, is, the, is number one. Uh, climate change, you know, is down further than that. And so uh, when we talk about climate change being a vital issue, I think that might be a vital issue, you know, in the next 50, 100 years. But today, now, uh, people are suffering and they have to pay more for gas and more for food. And that really affects the lower income people because they're, they don't have the uh, luxury of having extra money to pay for uh, these things. And they suffer the most in the United States. Uh, and so I think that th these are the issues uh, domestically that are more important in some respects than Ukraine. Uh, I mean, we should support Ukraine, but I think that uh, domestic issues, uh, especially people who are suffering from the economy, need to be addressed. Yeah, and uh, also you know, in regards to how to view this uh, war and uh, the United States government's role in there, um, one concern we have been talking about that, but uh, still, you know, a lot of people, some people, uh, including our viewers, still very concerned about the issue of the bio lab in Ukraine. So I, you know, wanted to ask Guillermont about his, um, what he knows about that and uh, what he, is his insights. I'm sure there are lots of um, issues that are concerning Americans uh, regarding uh, the bio labs, um, but the biolabs is not a new issue, and it's been around for a long time. So the Russians have have always wanted to take over Ukraine, especially Putin. And they have, have always wanted to control the access around the Black Sea. And they obviously want the resources that uh, Ukraine has, not only the mineral resources, but it's, you know, they call it the breadbasket of Europe. Some people call it the breadbasket of the world because of the soil and the quantity of food that's produced out of Ukraine. A lot of countries in the world depend on that food. Um, so the biolab issue, I think, is a is a little a little bit of a distraction. I think the focus should be on the fact that not only is Russia has invaded Ukraine again, um, but that I think the Chinese, at a minimum, knew about it beforehand. The Chinese Communist Party was aware of uh, Putin's intent to invade. That's the, at a minimum. At a maximum, I think that there's a possibility that uh, Xi Jinping encouraged uh, Putin to invade for this following reason. Since Ukraine has the largest lithium and other uh, rare earth minerals in the world, and the intent of Ukraine to join 
uh, either the EU or NATO um, concern China because they want to control the mineral resources, especially the rare earth mineral resources in the world. So if Russia controls that, then and Russia and China have a close relationship, then uh, China basically can control um, these rare earth uh, minerals. And so uh, it's in China's interest, actually, to, for Russia to invade and control the eastern province of Ukraine and thereby um, controlling the, those uh, mineral resources. So that's kind of where I would be focused on is the economic uh, reasons for uh, Russia's invasion. Putin talks about the the, the Russians in, in Ukraine and uh, the Russian-speaking uh, Ukrainians in the eastern province, but this is this is all part of the just, justification for basically taking over the mineral rights. And by by the way, the Sea, is, the sea of Azov, which uh, is a, a sea small sea area between Russia and Ukraine on the eastern side, now will be under the control of Russia and also the the oil and gas resources that are associated with it. So there's a lot of interesting economic aspects to this. Uh, conflict that I think are much more important than some of the, the concerns that um, uh, people have mentioned in the United States. Uh, Ukraine and Taiwan have a strong connection uh, in that you have a big bully basically um, harassing uh, another country. And, and as, again, many people are aware in 2014, um, the Russians invaded Ukraine and took Crimea and a couple of areas in the eastern part. So this continuing bullying is similar to what uh, the People's Republic of China is doing against uh, Taiwan, you know, constantly bullying it. Uh, and I think it's a very good uh, similarity. There are some differences, but I think that in the big construct, uh, Taiwan and Ukraine are connected. And I think people should think of, think of that in those terms as being a victim of a nuclear-powered bully. And I remember you wrote whether Russia would win this war, CCP always think it will win. And why is that? Yeah, I was thinking about this scenario. So on the 4th of February, China, actually Xi Jinping and Putin, signed uh, an agreement, a joint statement, basically saying that they will be best friends forever. And, and in addition, they both uh, agreed to the two mo very important concepts. One is that the PRC supports Russia against NATO. This is 4 February. This is three weeks before um, Russia invades Ukraine, number one. So the PRC or CCP supports Russia against NATO and that Russia supports the CCP in the context of Taiwan and that, that Taiwan, according to this joint statement, should be part of the PRC. So. I was thinking about the, this joint statement, and it's a long statement, it's 5,000 words. And if you read through it, uh, you start to think that Russia and China are becoming, let's say, an alliance, a strong alliance. And um, now if, 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 let's say, Russia wins or controls the eastern province, which looks like it's going to be uh, doing, uh, it's focusing its efforts there. Uh, so those mineral, as we talked about earlier, those mineral resources will become part of uh, Russian control and uh, China will have access to it. If Russia loses, and, it, and, and we've seen that the amount of pressure that the anti-Russian um, coalition, the NATO, United States, and many other countries have, have forced upon Russia, 
this action means that Russia becomes more dependent on China because China is willing to do trade with Russia even during the war. So they're still buying and uh, buying Russian gas, Russian oil, Russian products during this war while the rest of the world is boycotting Russian products. Uh, so in either case, as you mentioned, in either case, China wins because Russia is, is feeling the economic weight of all these sanctions and is forced to depend on China, on the PRC. Uh, and if it wins, then uh, the PRC uh, benefits from the mineral rights. So exactly, they win either way. I think it's actually quite smart on their part. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think it's good news for the, uh, <laughs> the West. What does that mean to the West and to the to United States and to the whole world when these two forces join together? It, yes. I mean, if, if you look at the history of the relationship between uh, the PRC, Russia, and the United States, it's always been either Russia and, and the United States are opposed to each other and China uh, has been kind of neutral um, and and vice versa. Recently, we've been more, prior to the Ukrainian war, we've been more friendly to Russia and our relationship with China has become, especially against the CCP, has been increasingly uh, tense. But to have the, the PRC and Russia joined uh, strategically and to work together, I think this will, will be an interesting challenge because the CCP is a, is a let's say, is an organization that has its ability to, to continue on and to continue to, to beyond Xi Jinping. You know, he has to die at some point. Uh, so the, uh, the leadership of the CCP will decide who will follow him. I'm not so sure what's going to happen to Putin. I mean, eventually he will either get out of office or he will pass away. And the replacement of Putin... I'm sure that the CCP will have uh, strong interest in making sure that that replacement is friendly to um, them. Uh, and in a worst case scenario, uh, could be a puppet of the CCP. Actually, even a worst case scenario is that, uh, I guess in, in my worst nightmare, um, this, the CCP would take over Russia. And that would be pretty catastrophic, I think, in, in, the, uh, in terms of the world. Uh, future because of because of the vast resources that Russia has uh, just in, in itself. Uh, and, you know, it has like 11 or 12 time zones. It's a huge country, uh, but a very small population. So uh, this would make, uh, in my estimation, the CCP much more powerful. President Trump really tried to pull Putin over. How do you think such kind of strategy? Well, I think it was a good strategy. I mean, I, uh, I think that um, trying to um, pull away from the, the CCP and uh, pull in uh, Russia would be the, the best strategy and to try to make it, let's say, more European. Um, I mean, it has European roots. Uh, uh, they, they are, let's say, at least uh, Christian, uh, just like the rest of Europe. They have uh, they have similar values, uh, similar traditions. Uh, obviously, the language is a bit different, but still, 
the philosophy is Western philosophy, and I think that 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 the, all those things combined would make it more easy to uh, bring Russia into the, the the Western. Unfortunately, because of the invasion of, of Ukraine by Russia, the West is be, is becoming uh, a bit anti, uh, for sure anti-Putin, but um, potentially uh, anti-Russian. And I hope that once the war stops, that we can work to bring Russia back into, let's say, a, a role where uh, we work with them. Uh, because like, like I mentioned, I think uh, pushing Russia towards China is a mistake uh, long term. And uh, you mentioned uh, uh, Taiwan and the Ukraine, you know, are very similar, but also have some differences. Yeah, could you elaborate on that? Yes. Um, okay, so let me just mention a few similarities before we go to the differences so that people understand. Taiwan is a full-fledged democracy uh, with almost 24 million people living on a main island and several other small, smaller islands. Um, it is close to a superpower, i.e. the PRC, just like Ukraine. Uh, but here are some of the differences. Um, Ukraine, the Ukrainian people can, if they're able to travel, they're able to, uh, the civilians especially, are able to escape uh, to their western border. They can go to Poland, uh, Romania, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, the problem with Taiwan is that it has no land bridge to anywhere. And so if the People's Liberation Army surrounds Taiwan with, it, with its Navy and with its aircraft, it can effectively blockade the entire country, whereas the Russians could not do that. I'm sure they wanted to do that, especially to prevent uh, weapons from being uh, shipped into uh, Ukraine and being used against them. Uh, with disastrous effects from their point of view. So if Taiwan were to be blockaded, uh, it would be uh, a challenge to uh, send weapons and for people to escape uh, because there is no place to escape. Uh, so that that is a big uh, issue in my mind. And, and my concern is that we're so focused on supplying weapons to Ukraine uh, that the, the Taiwan is being forgotten. And uh, it's my belief that uh, we should be also supplying similar weapons in addition to uh, other weapons, such as the anti-ship and anti-missile weapon systems to Taiwan now, uh, before the CCP orders the PLA to invade Taiwan. Because I'm not so sure that once the invasion starts that anyone's gonna be able to provide any kind of military support uh, to uh, Taiwan, uh, so uh, that is a big difference uh, in my in my opinion. There are other differences too, but uh, that is the biggest one. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, actually, I just interviewed uh, Professor Victor Hansen with the Hoover Institute. He also mentioned that actually the United States should have um, supplied anti-ship missile to Ukraine as well, so that uh, the Russians won't getting to the Black Sea port. Exactly. Uh, so in terms of weapon systems, uh, Taiwan uh, does have its own anti-ship and it has bought the Harpoon weapon system, which is a U.S. system. Uh, 
but my concern is not so much that they have the system, but the quantity. Uh, as we know, the PLA Navy has thousands of ships, and not only the Navy, but the Coast Guard and other ships could be used for an invasion. And when you're dealing with that many, that number of ships, uh, uh, the number of weapon system missiles available will quickly deplete and they won't have any more, let's say. Uh, the other issue is that the enemy has a vote in the in the in the war and so i'm sure the pla is also looking at where these uh weapon systems are and, and are planning to target them so that that they don't become a victim of these weapon systems so uh there has to be not only enough but it has to be extra to deal with the fact that the enemy has the vote in terms of destroying there's let's say your weapon stores or wherever you have these systems uh, could be targeted. And so there has to be an excess amount. So I I don't know uh, if there is sufficient, but I suspect that there is not. And I suspect that they would need a lot more than they have now. So I've written an article or two about the fact that uh, I think that we should also send um, anti-air, anti-tank, anti-ship, and anti-missile systems uh, to Taiwan, not only from the U.S., but from many other countries, um, so that uh, A, Taiwan has the systems, and B, they have time to train on them uh, prior to a conflict. And and the effect of this would be to deter uh, the CCP from ordering the PLA to invade. The more the, the pain that the Taiwanese military can cause against the PLA, I think, is a, is a good thing. And uh, the more that they fear uh, what would happen to them, and I think the, using Ukraine as an example of how badly uh, the Russians have been beat uh, is important uh, to reemphasize what the Taiwanese military will do against the, the People's Liberation Army in the same vein. So the more weapon systems, the more time they have for training, uh, the better, in my opinion. I think the results of the Ukrainian war have caused the CCP to delay the invasion because they see what happens when uh, a dedicated population is willing to resist. Uh, so I hope they delay it indefinitely. All right, so that's uh, Guillermont Lalari. So, um, you know, that's the first part of uh, the interview. He further talked about, you know, whether Taiwan government realized the issue that he saw and uh, are they doing anything. Also, I asked him about, uh, since he's arrived in Taiwan, living there for over a month now, how's the atmosphere there in Taiwan among the Taiwan people? So he shared um, with his assessment by talking to the people on the ground as well as the poll. And uh, also, you know, more about the uh, CCP and the PLAs, uh, what's they, what they could be doing uh, in Taiwan. So yeah, stay tuned. And uh, yeah, the other thing, I, I think I saw some comments like uh, uh, Louis mentioned about this uh, new development in Taiwan is actually, yes, on April 12th, Taiwan's Ministry of National Defense released a template for the National Defense Manual and made it available to the public to download it. 
So what it does is it provided information on emergency response when the public faced military crisis and possible disasters. The materials and the other information are added to the manual to help people prepare for safety and self-help. So according to the um, director of the National Defense Mobilization Agency in Taiwan, his name is uh, Wen Zhengyu, he said that uh, the Ukraine's mobilization timing inform uh, formation and the combat power would be used as a research and an analysis of the backup mobilization work in Taiwan. And, but actually, this uh, manual has been worked on for, you know, it's not just recently. It's um, back, it's already been working on for some time, but it's right now they are releasing that. So the former deputy chief of the intelligence staff of the Taiwan Ministry of National Defense, General Yang Tingzhang, said that uh, the recent uh, Russian-Ukraine war has had a mirror effect on the situation in Taiwan Strait and uh, making Taiwan strongly uh, feel that uh, all people are likely to face traditional military threats together. So I'm not sure if they really have some new information, but um, this is uh, just in the wake of the Russian-Ukraine war. It makes Taiwan both the government and the people realize they need to get prepared. Okay. Yeah. And so, in the, on the, on the, on the, on the mm -hmm. other hand, I think there's also another development is that uh, the Taiwan military plans to start an exchange program with the non-commissioned officers of the United States military from this year. And the Taiwan military and the strategic scholars, also experts, generally believe that uh, this move will not only boost the morale of the non-commissioned officers in the army, but also contribute to the future joint combat capability that uh, Taiwan military is striving to promote. So mm -hmm. that's another development. Yep. So, um, yeah, you may have noticed that we, we are very concerned about Taiwan. This is uh, as Chinese-American, as, uh, as Chinese anywhere. Okay, well, we, are, we see a possible fallout, which is a war over the Taiwan Strait, because the CCP has the similar situation to that of uh, Russia over Ukraine. Yeah, I think what uh, Gilman pointed out is that, um, you know, CCP really views uh, whether Russia can win this war or not. They are winning because they, in either way, uh, CCP can get either get access to the resources in Ukraine and Russia, or even better for them is to just control Russia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in a certain sense, I think that that's been the situation because um, now um, CCP has all the money to buy the raw material or the oil and the natural gas from Russia. However, however, um, CCP dare not, dare, dares not to do too much, mm -hmm. okay? Because um, um, Russia is, uh, is, is facing these sanctions from all around and then the U.S. has already warned CCP that if you do too much, watch out. So actually, the sanction against the CCP could be coming if they really, you know, do this in the in the true open way. Oh yeah, and I also asked this question mm -hmm. uh, to Gurman about, uh, you know, if CCP does decide to invade Taiwan, you know, the United States already, you know, said that 
uh, Janet Yellen uh, in the, I think, the previous hearing uh, in Congress said that uh, United States will use all tools of sanction against uh, CCP. I asked him, you know, what does he think about that? Mm -hmm. He actually has a pretty interesting view of that. He, he doesn't think this would do much. Mm. To the to to deter CCP's mm -hmm. decision, yeah. So um, anyhow, I think you know, you know, we are inviting our guests to share their views, and the, you know, some of them are real experts. But of course, you know, people all have their own views. But uh, I think it's something very interesting. I found mm -hmm. is that uh, when we, uh, you know, before we talked to Taiwan Taiwanese mm -hmm. friends about how you know, how bad is the CCP, how evil is CCP. And uh, many, many of them will kind of tell us, you don't know, you know, actually the, the pro-CCP Kuomintang is worse than CCP. Mm -hmm. And now I noticed that uh, some of our fellow Americans here said, you know, actually, you know, because some people really uh, fed up with the, for example, the current administration or the, um, you know, Democratic parties, they will say, oh, they are worse than CCP. I, I just feel it's the, it's kind of similar because, uh, yeah, because you, you come from a different uh, life experience. But for people like me and the way I think you probably have the same yeah, yeah um, sentiment is that uh, if you really, you if you live in China under the Chinese Communist regime, you probably will agree with us, even though you already, you, you feel the current situation is so bad, right? So bad, but cannot compare with the CCP. And that's why when I think people like um, Guermont, he can clearly see the more important issue here in this war is CCP's role and its plan. That's the most important thing and the, the biggest threat to the you know, free West and the whole world. Yeah, so in Chinese, yeah. for, for that comparison, we say that's a 天地之别, okay, heaven and earth difference. So, and uh, so, you know, CCP is, is, is evil that, uh, you know, I, I think basically people living out, outside of China haven't seen. And uh, but here I want to read uh, Hugh, Hugh Mann, you, 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 you comment there, you said CCP will find a way to fail. Well, I cannot agree more to that. And, and then this is... Um, this is what is happening. So as ending note, let's talk about the bit about Shanghai. Mm -hmm. As we shared with you before now, there's this artificial or man, how to say, a human artificially generated uh, crisis for the city of Shanghai, the proudest city and the, with the proudest, uh, how to say, people there. Now they are basically forced to, to uh, be isolated at home and with no guarantee of uh, food being delivered and uh, and they just face starvation in many, many places. So, and uh, so actually, Kathy, you, you interviewed Dr. Malone the other oh, day, right? Yes, so, yes. And because the entire, entire, how to say, campaign is, is, is to making sure that they want to reduce the number of uh, infection from the, from the Omicron to zero. And, uh, well, I, I guess we're still on YouTube, right? So, gosh, cannot believe this. You know what about, I'm thinking about? Uh -huh. This is a sensitive topic I'm touching upon, and this this video could be deleted. Okay. Right. That's, okay. We have to hold off here. Anyway, just uh, talking about Shanghai, just a lot of crisis over there, and then man-made crisis, and uh, the reason is just 
it is it's no longer a scientific uh, policy or policy based on science or based on medical knowledge or based on common sense um, common sense it is a how to say policy of the political political battle yeah so uh, what uh, dr malone uh, said during the weekend we I, we covered the live event in los angeles so yeah uh, about shanghai what's happening in shanghai and he said that uh, you know really it shows that when they enact such kind of uh, strict lockdown it only delays only delays the problem okay because he said that the virus is just uh, some like kind of a water in the sky in mm -hmm. the in the air you, you cannot really get stop rid the, of it stop it stop the falling of the water yeah of, of the rain mm -hmm. so you know they can they could only delay it and uh, as it accumulates, the problem is just going to get worse. And also, I wanted to share actually Patrick in our audience on Safe Chat. He shared a, a, a video with me, which I saw it a couple of years, uh, a couple of days ago. It's uh, it, at the nighttime in Shanghai, the skyscrapers, but there are scream, screamings all over all over the city. It's just so scary. And there is uh, someone's narration uh, with this video. It's in Chinese and some in Shanghainese, a dialect which I happen to understand. And I, you know, actually, I don't know, I have told you that I came from Shanghai. I still have family members in Shanghai. So in this lockdown, so what the people, what the person was shooting, like a videotaping the screaming at night in Shanghai, he was just saying, you know, like, it's, you know, I'm taping it. It just happened uh, since five minutes ago, and people are screaming. You know, it's after seven. It's after seven days of lockdown. Okay, mm. it's after seven days of lockdown. What happened is people screaming at night, and he said it's gonna be a huge problem if it's kept that way. And he said it's just so, so disgusting. And he said it's gonna be very dangerous. Okay. if it keeps going yeah okay so we will just uh, ending today's show with a couple of um, shanghai jokes okay the first one wh whether you would laugh or not it's it's uh, i'm not so sure okay it, it, just listen to me carefully this you know you are you, if you are shanghainese now you would laugh so there's a old man okay in his 80s right he already got this uh um, alzheimer disease uh, right alzheimer. so yeah so he, he went out and tried to get the delivered food because food came to the door of the, how to say, of the building. He needs to go get the food. So somehow he just lost his um, consciousness. So he just sat down on, 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 the, on, on the elevator. So after he wake up, you know, he only see an empty bag, mm -hmm. you know, in his hand. He just simply cannot remember he's going to pick up the food delivered or he has already coming back from the, from, from, from the door. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a delayed laugh. Okay. okay, as you know, either way, you don't get any food. And then there's this Shanghai mayor, okay, not mayor, the secretary of the secretary general of Shanghai, okay, the party, the party of Shanghai. That's number one, okay, the mayor is always number two. And this guy is called Li Chang, mm -hmm. all right, he's just touring around and writing to a citizen. Uh, a resident who just very mad shouted at him. So, so I really have things to say to you. So the Li Chang just asked me, you have, you have your opinion, do you? He said, yeah, I have a very strong opinion, but I don't agree to my opinion. 
as you can recall, that's old Soviet, so, Soviet uh, jokes. Still valid today because it's the same gene, it's the same communism and that we're dealing with. But somehow they are able to dig their own, like dig their own tomb for themselves. Because if they, they just follow their crazy agenda, hold their own interests, you know, um, to the most priority instead of serving people, they will hurt people and people will, people will respond. This is uh, we're seeing that happen, you know, happen happening now, right? Right now in Shanghai. Okay. Oh yeah, I just saw Louis said. Um, uh, I wish you could share the video that I mentioned. Yeah. So, um, can we? Yeah, I'm. I'm just trying. Uh, let's see if Tony can uh, play it. It's um, yeah, it's in a Twitter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I already sent. Yeah. Let's let's see whether Tony can can you know load it up and then we just play that. Let's let's yes hear the voice, and so that we know this is what is, this is vividly happening in many parts of Shanghai, and then when people are locked down, what's their mental state? How they respond and uh, you know what could they do? Yeah, so, my my family members in Shanghai they told me that actually. Uh, you know, some of them they had to just just stay at home with the grandchildren, and the grandchildren's um, parents they were have been separately quarantined in their workplace mm -hmm. separately. Okay, so the whole family had three places to quarantine. Okay, here. Everybody's shouting. They make a first to that. Yeah, I mean, if it continues, it's really something serious Okay. All right. So that's yeah. that. And um, so here I'm reading from my, my phone. This is, a, this is a message I got. Let me just read it to you. Uh, this is from a Shanghai lady, okay, a pregnant woman. Uh, she said, she's communicating with, with her friend. She said, I'm a pregnant woman and uh, I'm not in a stable state now. I've been isolated in my car, in my car. I, be, I, I'm, I was tested positive. It has been six days. I have not got the phone, the, the phone call from the CDC, um, which will get me to quarantine. They just asked me to wait. I can only wait in the car. I'm running out of food in my car, and the, 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 the weather is terrible. I just cannot bear with this anymore. Uh, the baby in my, in, my, in my... Tummy. Yeah, tummy is... Um, he said it's probably losing his, 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 his life. Oh, the heartbeat is not, I don't feel the heartbeat anymore. Please save me, save me. My address is the 15, uh, number 1515. And 
Pusan Road of the Pudong New 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 District. My phone number is one three five two four zero seven five seven four three. Please help me. So this lady just messaging like crazy. Everybody, somebody come to help me. I'm stuck in the car. I cannot get out because I'm tested positive, and they don't come here to pick me up. So she stayed there for six days. Can you believe a pregnant woman? And this is not rare. This is just one case out of probably hundreds of cases in Shanghai. This is the proudest city in in China, the wealthiest and the proud you know proudest city in Shanghai. This is a man-made crisis created by this Communist Party. When they can control everything, they create everything. They create things like this. Which is inconceivable. Still, fortunately, in this country of America. Yeah, I, I want to show another, share another um, video. Mm -hmm. Actually, yeah, I just forwarded to Tony. This is how they publicly shame a young man who initially refused to, to do testing. Okay, that's how they do it. it. Mm -hmm. Just like Cultural Revolution, but you, you, you just have yeah, to Yeah, talking about it. people's right, you know, that the government has absolute right over people. Okay, you have zero right. When they ask you to do something, when they ask, when they want to take away, they don't need an arrest, you know, arrest warrant, they don't need a court order, you know, they just claim I'm from the government, that's enough. Yeah, listen. Okay. Oh, we don't have the audio. Oh, we don't have the audio yet? That's not the right audio? It's the video, oh, but not no the yeah, he just write something as apology. So I'm sorry. Finally, people say, "Oh, you, you, okay." No, actually, they, they blame, The lady was saying, "You put up, put up, put back your, um, like your your mask when your noses came out. You know what does that do? The mask." And uh, she just so she was so just serious on him and uh, asking him, you know, you, to be louder. Louder. Yeah. To they, apologize. Basically, yeah, they just shame people like um, yeah. in an arbitrary way. You have no way against them. Okay. Otherwise, they're gonna beat you up. They're gonna take you away. They're gonna lock you up. This is what a totalitarian, totalitarian regime behave or look like. Yep. So that's why we left China. That's why we're here. That's why we're doing what we can to protect this country from becoming a country, a country like that. Yeah, so it's a very serious matter, mm -hmm. guys. When well, the government, they have the, all the power, 
they do anything to you, and you have no way to resist it. Today, fortunately, we can. Just treasure the day that we have, you know, treasure the country that we still have, and uh, the freedom we still have. All right, thank you very much for staying with us tonight, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, being able to, doing this show is, uh, we, 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 you know, we, we, that, that's because of the liberty that we have in this nation. Yeah, and yeah. we hope one day, you know, whether on, you know, what kind of uh, a platform, we don't need to <laughs> watch out for what we talk about. Yeah. I think, yeah, okay. we can do that, I think. <clears throat> yeah, thank you very much. Stay safe, stay hopeful, and uh, stay strong. Yeah, take care. Take care. Okay, good night. Yeah, until next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.